Let's pray as we begin. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we are now a month into our sermon series on emotionally healthy spirituality, and we have traveled quite a distance. If you need a little bit of a refresher, we're on the fourth aspect of emotionally healthy spirituality. We've looked at King Saul and talked about the problem of emotional unhealth for our spiritual life. We've talked about knowing yourself that you may know God, looking at our core identity as children of God by studying David and the giants that he faced. We then discussed going back in order to go forward, wrestling with the reality of our past and choosing forgiveness over resentment, just as Joseph did with his brothers. And today, we're going to center in on the importance of journeying through the wall by studying the story of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. I've had a lot of excellent conversations in the past few weeks with many of you who've been influenced by this content and the content of our devotional book, Day by Day, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. How many of you are still engaged in day-by-day emotionally healthy spirituality? Awesome. That's great. I hope it's been a good experience for you. I commend you for digging into this content deeply, whether it's going through that book or just showing up here and listening. And I want to encourage all of us to face these topics with humility and fearlessness because it doesn't particularly lighten up from this point going forward. If you're like me, These topics cut to your heart, and they cause you to ask some very difficult questions of yourself, and I just wanted to say that I think that's a really good and positive thing for all of us to do, and I'm glad it's happening. And if there's anything that causes us to ask difficult questions, it's when we face a wall in our lives, a wall in our faith journey. We have a tendency, particularly in the evangelical church, to have a crisis of faith in these moments when a wall comes towards us because we're hardwired to think that walls really shouldn't be coming. They shouldn't be there. There's a natural progression. We come to faith in Jesus Christ. We accept his forgiveness, the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. And then we live into the life that he has for us, loving others, spending time in his word and in prayer and maturing in our faith and going to church. But then when obstacles come, we get confused. We think, now this isn't really how it's supposed to happen, right? If I'm following Jesus, why would I be hitting a wall right now? Why is this happening? If that's your initial response to the walls in your life, I need to tell you a difficult truth. You need deeper emotional health and a deeper spiritual maturity because these walls, these obstacles are necessary if we're going to develop a depth of spiritual life and grow into mature Christ followers. For most of us, these walls appear through some sort of crisis that turns our lives upside down, like a failed marriage, or a betrayal, or a job loss, the death of a close friend or family member, especially tragic deaths, a medical diagnosis, a painful church experience, a deep depression, shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, an inability to get pregnant, 
or deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled. These are the kind of walls we face. And when we encounter these walls, our relationship with Jesus typically suffers, becoming dry and, and joyless. We question ourselves, we question God, we question the church. We find that our faith doesn't work. The way that we used to do things doesn't work. It's not supporting the realities of the obstacles before us. We don't know where God is or, or what he's doing or how he's going to deliver us or when this is just going to be over. I know for a fact that some of you here today are staring at a wall in your life and you don't know what to do. I know for a fact that others of you have been at the wall for a very, very long time and it haunts you daily and you feel stuck. I know others of you who have journeyed through the wall and received a newfound relationship with Jesus. Wherever you are, this message is for you because according to Pete Cesaro, who is the author that we're following through this series, at least 15% of Christians never make it through the wall. They face this kind of obstacle and they walk away and I don't want that to be any of you. Abraham is a perfect example of someone who faced a major wall in his life, and he did so with faithfulness and integrity and emotional health. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 once again. These are amazing words, by the way. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. First of all, before we dive into this, let me remind you that this is not the first wall that Abraham has faced in his journey of faith in God. For those of us who think that following God in a righteous and upright manner means that we can level out the peaks and valleys in our lives and not really have to deal with walls, just look at the story of Abraham, a paragon of faith. But in Genesis 12, he had to leave everything he knew to follow God to a country he had never been to. That, that would be a wall, right? He endured the realities of a famine. That's a wall. He struggled with the pain of infertility in his marriage. That's a wall. He had severe family conflict with his nephew Lot. That's a wall. He had guilt over the fact that he lied and did wrong by his wife to save his own neck two times. That's a wall. He had marital tension because of a child that was born out of wedlock. That's a wall. And in Genesis 18, he has to send his, his son Ishmael away, banish him to the wilderness. That's a wall. And now, after being promised by God a land and descendants like the stars and to be a universal blessing to the entire world, here is Abraham, over a hundred years old, with only one son, living in a tent. He would have every single right to say, this is not really how it's supposed to go, right? I'm following God, this is not how it's supposed to be. Haven't I been through enough? And now the ultimate wall comes. God calls Abraham by name and he commands a burnt offering, which essentially means... Cut your son into pieces on an altar in my name. God doesn't give specifics, but just go to one of the mountains that I will tell you. Start traveling, I'll show you. And so the text tells us that Abraham travels the three days journey 
enduring the questions of his son. He builds an altar. He arranges the wood. He binds his son Isaac. And he takes out a knife to cut his throat. Let's pause here for a second. This is incredible on on so many levels, right? Abraham's blind faith is is incredible to me. The audacity of God to ask this of of anybody is incredibly troubling to me. Should be to you too. The obedience of Isaac is incredibly startling to me. The whole story is incredible. It's a great story for talking about journeying through the wall because I think it puts whatever wall that we're facing in sharp perspective. Of all the walls that I've faced in my journey of faith, none of them have come close to this, and I'm thankful for that. So as we imagine Abraham raising the knife and looking into the eyes of his only son, the manifestation of the promise of God in his life, I want to talk about the options that Abraham has at this point. As I see it, he has three live options. Uh, He can bail. He can camp out. Or he can journey through the wall. I'd like you to think about whatever wall you're facing or have faced or anticipate facing in the future because I think our options are the very same. I'm going to go through them. First thing we can do is we can bail. We can turn around and leave. Abraham could have easily decided that this was way too much to ask of someone, that he didn't care about the promised blessing of God anymore, that he wasn't ever, ever, ever going to do this to his son, and he couldn't accept a God who would ask him to do this. And, and, and he could have just forsaken it all, dropped the knife, and walked away. And, and I think most of us, if we took a poll, we wouldn't even blame him for doing that, right? I know a lot of people who can't reconcile the height of the wall that they face with the loving and gracious God that they're supposed to be serving, and they just decide to bail. If God is so loving and gracious, then these walls are not supposed to occur, and so they decide to simply walk away from the faith. They leave their faith altogether. But where does, where does this action leave us, if that's a choice for us? Does it help us deal with the wall that we're facing any more ably? Does it solve any of our problems? I don't really think so. So the option to bail is not really an option for me because that option is essentially saying, I'm going to choose my will over God's will because I think my will is better. <laughs> and I'm going to leave God out of the equation going forward. It's not an option for me. I hope it's not a satisfactory option for you, which leads us to our next option. We can camp out. I could definitely see Abraham holding the knife and saying, okay, God, I've, I've done everything you asked me to do except for one thing, and I'm, I'm going I'm to go ahead and do this now, God, until, unless you want me to stop. I'm going to go ahead and do this. All right, three, two, one and a half, one and a quarter, one and an eighth. He could have just stalled, just camped out on Mount Moriah, and we always have that option with the walls that we face. This is the option that doesn't want to leave God out of the equation, but we're not ready to do the truly hard work of following him fully either. So we just choose to to camp out, to stay at the wall, to stay where we are. It becomes our location, and it becomes our identity. 
I know that there are many of you here who are camping out, and you've been camping out at a wall in your life for a very, very long time. The grief that you feel over the loss of a loved one or a relationship or a period of your life or your innocence or your pride, these things keep you camping out at the wall. And camping out at the wall is the place where we we follow God's will part of the way, but not through the hardest part because it's just too hard. We like the idea of, of God's will, but not enough to actually do it. When we camp next to the wall, we dismiss the realities of our situation. We We neuter the power of God in our lives and we get stuck in emotional immaturity. This is an option for you to camp out. And God certainly has grace for all of us who have a tendency to be campers. But I don't think it's much of a way for us to live. So our last option is to journey through the wall. This is a place where God's will becomes more important than my will. If you notice, Abraham, at least what the text tells us, he has no argument, no delay, no resistance. He doesn't seem angry or or bitter or disappointed. He hears clearly that God wants him to let go of something that he's clinging to, something that's holding him back from greater intimacy with God, in this case, his own son. And so he views the wall in front of him, He's honest about it. I think he feels lots of emotions in the midst of it. But he journeys through the wall knowing who goes with him. Some of you have heard me share about a wall that I've, big wall that I've faced in my life. Uh, some of you know I didn't plan on being a pastor in a local congregation. When I was in seminary, I began to be drawn to the idea of getting my PhD in New Testament studies, doing more schooling and starting a career uh, at a Bible college or a seminary so that I could teach, I could be a professor. It was really a difficult decision uh, because I had always seen myself as a pastor. We didn't really have money for any more schooling, but I felt moved by the idea of being a pastor in the classroom, so I decided that I was going to forego the call process in my final year of seminary. That's the process in which Students, uh, available candidates are connected with churches who are looking for pastors. All my colleagues were beginning that call process, but instead I began to fill out applications for postgraduate programs, both in North America and in Europe, 13 programs in all. We depleted our savings on application fees. I took a summer off of work simply to work on my writing, my resume, and my CV while Katie supported me. And then we waited on God to to make this dream a reality. By February of that year, I began to get pretty nervous because nine of the 13 programs that I had responded, uh, that had responded back, had all rejected me. I was a a good candidate. I was affirmed by my professors and colleagues. I had a sterling letter of recommendation, and I felt God's blessing in so many ways. So this isn't how it's supposed to go, God. What are you up to? Two more rejection letters the next week. I was holding it together externally, but I was borderline depressive. And I wasn't sure how to approach God and to hold this dream up when when hope of this dream was fleeting. And the last two came in, both rejections. And even sharing now, on on the other end, I can feel the frustration and the shame and the embarrassment and confusion that I was feeling back then. It was March by this time, and I had firmly hit the wall. 
It was a crisis of faith. I was going to graduate in two months. My wife was seven months pregnant. I had no plan for what to do. And deep down, I felt like it was God's fault for jerking me around. I'd hit the wall. Three options. I could have bailed. I'm not going into the ministry. Heck, I'm not even excited about following Jesus after all this. I'm out. I'm just turning, I'm turning the other direction. I'm walking the other direction. No, that, that wasn't an option for me. I was tempted to, to camp out, to feel sorry for myself, to turn bitter and allow this rejection to become the defining moment of my life and my motivation going forward. I, I still want to follow you, Jesus, but I'm hurt uh, because you didn't give me the desire of, of my heart, so I'm just going to put this whole call to ministry thing, I'm just going to set it in neutral. I'm going to camp out. Or, third, I could choose to journey through the wall. Okay, God, I want what you want here. Even though I don't understand all this, heck, I don't even understand any of it. I'm going to bring you my pain and my loss and my shame and my embarrassment and my frustration and my confusion. I'm going to trust that you can handle those things better than I can. I'm trusting that you're going to guide me. I'm so thankful for that wall. It was essential for me growing into the person that God wants me to be because of of my my wife and my parents and my in-laws and friends. I was able to resist the urge to set up camp and started leaning on Jesus more and more to help me journey through the wall. And God led me here to you and I wouldn't change a thing. Now I've had walls since then too. The passing of loved ones, the loss of pregnancies, more walls are ahead. I know that that's going to happen. That's always true of our journey. But you know what? Once you've journeyed through the wall with Jesus, when those painful walls come again, you have a history of a faithful God to lean upon. Abraham's task was unthinkable, but he had been led through so many walls with God that the journey, I think for him, was a strange joy because he knew that God was in it all, that God was journeying with him, that God was faithful. Now, I know what many of you are asking, but, but how? how do, what does it look like for me to practically journey through the wall? Well, if, if we think about it directionally, if bailing is, is walking away and camping is staying where you are being stuck, then I think journeying through the wall begins when we start to lean forward, when we lean into Jesus. For you who are broken and scared and hurt because of the walls in your life, I desperately want you to start leaning in to Jesus. When you've lost a job or a friendship or a marriage, when your future is uncertain, when prayers seem to go unanswered, when you've been wronged, when you're struggling with forgiveness, the best thing that you can do is to lean even more into Jesus Christ and God's promises for you. I'm not asking you to do so unflinchingly and robotically to move forward from the pain you're facing without feeling anything. No, I'm asking you to lean forward, to lean further into God's word, into prayer, 
into the fellowship of this place and other Christian brothers and sisters. You know, oftentimes, Paul and I have both experienced this. I'll think of somebody and I'll realize, man, I haven't seen them at church for a while. I haven't seen them for a month, maybe two months. And I'll contact them, and do you want to know what? About 90% of the time, someone falls away from church involvement, church life, because they've hit a wall. They have a crisis in their life. I'm going to say about 90% of the time. And I'll tell them, I'll tell you preemptively what I, what I always tell them, is that's backwards. Because when we hit a wall, this is exactly where we need to be the very most. Even when you're hurt in, in your relationship with God and, and your relationship with him is nowhere and you're dry and you're not feeling anything, and the things that have worked in your faith life, they aren't working anymore, the best thing you can do is to practice leaning into Jesus. Don't isolate yourself. Don't leave God behind. Lean further into him. In the story of Abraham, I see a man who was leaning into the promises of God even when it didn't make a lick of sense. And that's what we need to do as well if we're going to journey through the wall. And remember that God is the one who moves us through the wall. And that comes with, with mystery. There's a lot that we do not, do not understand about the ways of God. His ways are not our ways. Yet, I think there are rich treasures for us at the wall. Our image and understanding of God can be radically transformed because of the walls in our lives. So often we have God in a, in a small box, but when we encounter walls, that the walls blow open that box and we begin to see God for the sovereign, mighty, loving, and good God that he is. So our work is to stay with him, to lean further into him, to persevere, to faithfully wait upon him. Even when everything in us wants to quit, to bail, or set up camp, and let that wall define us. We can journey through the wall because God is good. And a failure to understand and surrender to God's work in our lives at the wall often results in great long-term pain and confusion. I know a lot of people who have been through great suffering and hit massive walls, but they didn't journey with God through those walls. They tried to do it themselves. And, and you know what? Those walls never changed them. They were never transformed because of them. And then they hit other walls in their lives and they just become more and more bitter and angry. But what if we chose to see these walls as a gift? Now that's backwards, right? What if we chose to see the walls in our life, the crises in our life as a gift? What if we started recognizing them as an invitation to join God in what he is doing in our lives? Bailing leaves us hopeless. Camping out gets us nowhere. But leaning into God and journeying through the wall, that's an opportunity for Jesus to transform your life. Walls are a reality in the journey of faith. You can let them ruin your faith, or you can journey through them with Jesus by your side, allowing him to transform you and nourish your faith and leave you thankful. I want this for all of us. For us to view the walls in our lives and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I'm ready to lean into you and journey through this wall with you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the walls in my life. 
thank you for giving me the ability to lean into you even when that made no sense. I'm thankful that you journeyed with me through the wall. I could not possibly do that without you. And Lord, I want to thank you in advance for the walls that are to come. Lord, I don't believe that you send these walls to me, but I know that you are in them and that you desire to transform me. You desire to show your faithfulness to me through them. So help me to receive the walls in my life and the walls that are to come as a gift, as an invitation to lean further into you. And Lord, just as Abraham was found faithful and it was counted to him as righteousness, may it be the same for us, we pray in your name.